0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. In the stillness and silence this morning, so many different things could have been going on. Um, It could have been very still and silent inside you as you practiced or it could have been like an earthquake of huge, you know, uh, change or disruption moving through your life. Um, It could have been really big patterns showing themselves or it could have been subtle. It's so interesting. We're all sitting here fairly still and quiet but so many things are going on. Could have been very noisy inside, the supposed stillness and quiet. Um, In the book, Parami, Ways to Cross Life's Floods, Ajahn Suchito reports that the Buddha pointed to the restraint of holding the heart still in the presence of its suffering until it lets go of the ways it creates its suffering. I found that really interesting. The restraint of holding the heart still in the presence of its suffering until it lets go of the ways that it creates suffering. That's really, uh, you know, what might that mean? (laughs) It's interesting. Holding the heart still in the presence of suffering. So one thing I can imagine it means is not to let the mind... The heart-mind was, you know, kind of one concept in in certain cultures. Not to let the heart-mind generate extra ideas about what's happening that create the suffering. Instead, just being with what's happening. Or not letting the heart harden against what's happening, resisting it. Or run away from it, self-soothe through escapism or daydreaming. Or not letting the heart-mind leap into problem-solving or trying to make what's happening go away. Or not getting lost in doubt and confusion. So holding a heart still in the presence of its suffering seems to me to be about opening to what's happening. Maybe feeling it, uh, seeing it with a little bit more understanding or compassion of it or just sitting there with it I can also imagine that just being silent and physically still physically and mentally still sitting here in the presence of anything that's happening um, could be useful until the heart is ready to undergo a shift on its own sometimes it doesn't feel like we're making this happen it feels like we sit here in stillness and silence and then the heart changes. Um, Instead of willing things, you know, forcing them, making them happen, the heart has a chance to just transform over time and then respond to what's happening instead. Um, There's a, you know, as we're sitting here very still and very quiet, a lot is developing under the surface. So uh, Paul Goodman was a 20th century American author and he wrote about nine kinds of silence. Not speaking and speaking are both human ways of being in the world and there are kinds and grades of each. There is the dumb silence of slumber or apathy, so that could have been happening, the sober silence that goes with a solemn animal face. The fertile silence of awareness, pasturing the soul whence emerge new thoughts. The alive silence of alert perception, ready to say this, this. The musical silence that accompanies absorbed activity. The silence of listening to another speak, catching the drift and helping them be clear the noisy silence of resentment and self-recrimination, loud and subvocal speech, but sullen to say it, baffled silence, the silence of peaceful accord with other persons or communion with the cosmos. So I like that he points out that silence has this fertile quality. Whatever seeds we've been planting, you know, as we go throughout our life, are very likely to be sprouting as we're sitting here. Those could be very quiet seeds or they could be very noisy seeds. Um, Thoughts can emerge, as he says, or in meditation, insights can emerge out of that fertile silence. Um, There can be a sudden knowledge of the way things are, kind of suddenly getting it, oh, and just being with, oh, this is the way it is right now. It's hard it's turbulent it's calm it's super quiet it's super loud so i i feel a appreciation for winter you know the rain rainy season that seems in harmony with this sitting in silence um, in meditation nature itself seems quieter trees stand bare fields lie follow plants die and decay taking their own sweet time to rest before leafing out and blooming again. Sometimes as we're sitting here, we're taking, we're, you know, things are decaying and they're taking their own sweet time to rest until they're ready to bloom again. In the book, The Hidden Life of Trees, the author Peter Wolobin points out that up to half of the biomass of a forest is hidden beneath the soil. Most of the life forms cannot be seen with the naked eye. And there are more life forms in a handful of forest soil than there are people on this planet. I find that amazing. (laughs) He notes that the forest could not do without these microscopic creatures, of which most of us are completely ignorant. Whereas if the, the big mammals moved out of the forest, the deer, the squirrels, the raccoons, the bears, that the forest would not be less healthy, you know, it probably wouldn't affect it as significantly than if this handful of soil with its teeming um, invisible creatures were altered. So our practice of mindfulness could be like that. There might be a lot of strong and subtle things going on underneath the surface of consciousness. Um, we're not controlling it. We don't really know all that's going on when we sit here in silence. We know some of it. You know, we're trying to tend to what we can notice. But there's also a lot going on underneath that. And we tend to get caught up thinking about the large mammals, <laughs> the people in our lives, um, the big feelings, the big thoughts that crop up. But like the forest, it might be more important to our continual, our continued growth and cultivation in this practice um, uh, just to, to cultivate beneficial conditions like I was talking about before with the stick that I watered and put in a warm place and with enough light so if we're showing up and we're sitting still and we're letting the heart be with whatever's coming up whether it's difficult or easy um, smooth or subtle or big or small um, we can that cultivation of showing up for it and attending to it um, rather than getting hung up on the the big stuff but just cultivating that can ultimately result in surprise you know you can be going along practicing 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 doesn't seem like anything's happening and then suddenly you're aware that a lot has been shifting in you some moment will come along where you're just aware that some things have changed in your life some attitudes in yourself have changed And it can be a surprise. So Wolobin points out that a mere teaspoonful of soil contains many miles of fungal filaments that work the soil, transform it, make it valuable for the trees. Um, He goes into a description of the geological processes that created soil in his book. Um, In the Ice Ages, with their sub-zero temperatures, rocks were cracked open. Glaciers ground the fragments of those rocks down into sand and dust until finally what was left was a loosely packed substrate. After the ice retreated, water washed this material into depressions and valleys, or storms carried away and laid it down in layers many tens of feet thick. Later, life came along in the form of bacteria, fungi, and plants, all of which decomposed after death to form humus. Over the course of thousands of years, trees moved into the soil, which only at that stage could be recognized as soil. And the presence of the trees made it even more precious. So if we keep bringing enough awareness to sitting here in stillness, remembering to bring mindfulness to whatever is happening, it sets the conditions for practice to unfold at whatever pace is appropriate. So we might be working on the big rocky patches. You know, We might be breaking up the big rocky patches of suffering and gradually cracking them and, and getting them ground down in our practice into the subtler and subtler particles of how we're responding to the world, how we're suffering in the world, or how we're flourishing in freedom. Um, as we practice, we, we have this set of skills that grow around s- sitting here in stillness. Um, we can apply ourselves to a whole range of helpful practices. Um, for example, noticing the things that make our experience tough. The pushing away, the wanting more, pulling it towards us, the getting you know kind of uh, sleepy or dull or distracted from it the getting too agitated around it, the doubting or confusion around it. As those grosser levels of affliction start to weather away, we can practice skills like the Eightfold Path or the Ten Perfections that are being taught this year here. And the conditioned habits of our lives that are so painful can get broken down until we're getting more nurtured by the practice, nourished. And when we get nourished in that way, we can not only support our own lives in more beneficial ways, we can actually start to be more beneficial for people around us. So that they can flourish too. So, you know, if you look at soil, rocks and trees, you don't see them fighting what's happening. (laughs) You know, we have that unique quality of being able to fight what's happening naturally. But if we can observe just these larger movements of practice flowing through us and accept that it takes its own sweet time, like that little stick I watered for 10 weeks, um, we can, you know, if we don't try to flee from it or ignore our suffering or blame it on other people or conditions like, if only my life would just have this go away, I would be fine. we could nurture the conditions by which we become progressively more and more free of stress and suffering. And instead of being reactive towards the old conditioned stuff, we can see it for what it is. If we acknowledge and stay present, you know, hold the heart still to just be present for the mess, (laughs) instead of hastily trying to do away with it or change ourselves, that becomes the nourishing soil in which we can grow. So, my hope is that the practice that we've done together today um, leads to our own renewal, you know, that the processes that are happening under the surface lead to more freedom for us as people. And then that spreads out to others around us and renews the life of the planet we're living on. So thank you for practicing together today. So now we're going to shift uh, to a period of mindful caring for the center.